0: it was E Stanley Jones who said that prayer demands total surrender to the will of God if i cast my line take hold of the shore and pull will i pull the shore to me or will i be pulled to the shore prayer does not pull god to us he writes but he says that prayer is our aligning of our will to the very will of God. Prayer demands total surrender. This morning we come to one of the most transparent prayers in all the Bible. It's found on the lips of Jesus. It's recorded in Luke chapter 22. It's that passage I invite you to give your attention. This morning I want to talk to you about the world's toughest prayer. Luke chapter 22, verses 39 to 46. Once you've found your place in sacred scripture, please stand out of reverence to the public reading of God's holy word. Luke chapter 22, let's begin at verse 39. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. your church help us on this day to pray like Jesus in Jesus name amen you may be seated the story that I just read for you is recorded in three out of the four gospels we find it in Matthew chapter 26 and Mark chapter 14 and the most succinct version here in Luke chapter 22 allow me to set the stage Jesus has already entered triumphantly into the city of Jerusalem to the thunderous applause of the crowd who declare, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Judas has already agreed to hand over Jesus for 30 pieces of silver as foretold by the prophet Zechariah. The disciples had already prepared for the Passover meal. Jesus had already presided over that Passover meal, instituted what you and I call the Lord's Supper, identified Judas as his betrayer, and said on this night, All of you will fall away from me. As the evening hours pass, the drama intensifies. Jesus takes the eleven. They go out to the Mount of Olives, to the Garden of Gethsemane, and there he tells them to pray. Luke says that Jesus goes a stone's throw away from them, not far, and Jesus kneels down to pray. When you look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke in their description of this magnificent moment, You find that Jesus is overwhelmed with anxiety. He is overwhelmed with stress. It is Luke who says that he knelt down to pray. It is Mark who says that he fell on the ground to pray. It is Matthew who says that he fell with his face to the ground to pray. When you see these snapshots side by side by side, you see that Jesus is collapsing under the weight of the stressful moment. He kneels only to fall, only to have his face planted on the ground. Jesus is overwhelmed. Jesus is overwhelmed with sorrow and trouble. That's what Matthew says. He is filled with anxiety. He has an anxious spirit. He is stressed out. You may even say that he's on the verge of a panic attack. In fact, it's Luke, who is a doctor by trade, who gives us a detail. A detail that says that Jesus had Sweat drops of blood falling to the ground. Sweat like drops of blood falling to the ground. Now doctors call this hematidrosis. It is a rare condition yet it is a very likely condition where the capillaries in a person's forehead can swell usually because of induced stress. And the swelling of the capillaries can eventually explode or bust. And what is secreted out of the sweat glands is a mixture of blood and perspiration. This is something that can take place. This is something that many believe actually took place for Jesus as he's kneeling there, as he's collapsing under the weight of the moment. He is so stressed out that it's Dr. Luke who notices that there are beads of blood sweat falling to the ground. It begs the question, why is Jesus so stressed out? Why is he filled with so much anxiety? We know that he is fully man but he's also fully God. He is the God man. He knows what's about to happen. He knows how it's all going to turn out. So why is he so stressed out? I don't think it's because he is overwhelmed with worry about the physical pain. Now don't get me wrong. He's not looking forward to the physical pain. Who would? He's not looking forward to being punched and whipped and bruised and beaten and spit upon, stripped and nailed to a cross of wood. He's not looking forward to that physical pain, but that's not what stresses him out so much. I think what's even more horrific is the realization of the spiritual pain. Think with me. This is the first time in all of eternity Where the sweet triune relationship of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit will be stressed, strained, splintered, and some would even say severed. This is the first time in all of human history. It's never happened before. Jesus has always existed in the sweet Trinitarian community of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. Yet Jesus knows and he will speak from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In a very real way, God will forsake God. I know that blows our minds, and rightfully so. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to us, but it is biblical that God was God forsaken by God. Because Jesus, for the only time in all of eternity, cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? Jesus knows what he's about to endure and it's that spiritual pain that is so overwhelming, insurmountable in fact, that he begins to sweat drops of blood as they were falling to the ground. Jesus is overwhelmed. Now you and I have stress, don't we? There are times we get stressed out because of the job, Or lack of a job. We get stressed out because of our marriage or because of money or because of the mortgage. We get stressed out by our children or our grandchildren or the deadlines that we have to meet. Sometimes we just get stressed out completely. But I dare say that even though you and I can become overwhelmed with anxiety, I doubt that any of us have ever gotten to the point where we have sweat like drops of blood. Falling to the ground. Yet Jesus is in this moment. He's in this predicament. He's in this divine dilemma. He's in this moment and he is overwhelmed with anxiety, with agony, with stress. He knows what lies before him. And in this moment, he does not debate God. He does not deny God. He does not disobey God, nor does he doubt God. Instead, he prays to God. There's a lesson in that for us. Even though you and I probably will not endure sweating drops of blood, we do know what it is to be anxious. We do know what it is to wring our hands. We do know what it is to get upset and be worried about things and overwhelmed with things. And in that moment, do not debate God or deny God or disregard God or disobey God or doubt God. Instead, pray to God. What did Jesus pray? Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but your will be done. Did you hear the raw sincerity of this prayer? Did you hear the righteous submission of this prayer? I want to submit to you this morning that Christian prayer is permeated with raw sincerity and it is punctuated with righteous submission this is how jesus prays this is how you and i ought to pray jesus comes to god the father and he has raw sincerity father if you're willing take this cup from me do you know what he's asking he is saying god Will you remove this cup? Another translation says, let this cup pass from me. The word means to pass as to not touch me. Let this pass from me. Remove this from me. Lighten my load. Take this off my shoulders. Help me not to have to endure this. Take this cup from me. The word cup is always in the Old Testament and the New Testament a symbol of divine wrath. It is holy hostility. It is righteous wrath that God has upon sinful humanity. I want to be very clear this morning. Jesus is not in this moment trying to abort the mission. He knows that he is the son of man who came to seek and to save the lost. He is not asking God or saying unto the Father, I don't want to save sinners. He is not doing that. His divine mission is given to us very clearly in Luke chapter 19 verse 10. It's on the Uh, tail end of that dramatic conversation with that wee little man named Zacchaeus. And Jesus, we are told, said that salvation has come to this house for this man too is a son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and to save that which is lost. In this moment, Jesus is not trying to abort the mission. He's not trying to say, God, I don't want to do this. God, I don't want to save sinners. What he is asking is, God, is there a way for us to save sinners apart from a substitutionary atonement of my life on the cross? Is there a way for us to accomplish redemption without me having to go through this so that our relationship will be momentarily severed? Lord, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. When you begin to understand what Jesus is asking for, you say to yourself, wow, he's asking for a lot. You're exactly right. He's asking for a lot. He's coming to the Father in raw sincerity. he's, He's not just trying to avoid punishment he's not just trying to 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 avoid something that's uncomfortable he is trying to say is there another way for us to save lost humanity that does not include me having to go to the cross and being severed from you in this moment I can't fathom that so if you're willing take this cup from me it's raw sincerity there's some who would think to themselves, "I I can't imagine Jesus praying a prayer like this. I thought he was always strong and macho and ready for the moment. And yes, he is strong and macho and ready for the moment. But in this moment, he's saying, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Lighten my load. Take this off of my shoulders. Help me not to have to experience this. He prays with raw sincerity. But then also, Jesus not only prays with raw sincerity, but he also prays with righteous submission, doesn't he? He he says, um, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but your will be done. You know, there's a theology that's in the church, in our culture today that talks about that God wants you to be healthy and wealthy and happy. But my friends, what what happens when there's more month than money? What happens when cancer, heart disease comes knocking on your door? What happens when life doesn't leave you happy? The reality is that life is horrible. What happens then? If your theology can't help you, When life is bad, then it's bad theology and you don't need it. If your theology can't help you when life is bad, then it's bad theology and you don't need it. What does Jesus do? Jesus prays a prayer that is permeated with raw sincerity and punctuated with righteous submission. Not my will, but your will be done. That's not just a tagline. That's a lifeline. That's how we pray. In fact, um, this could be uh, the definition of Christian prayer. Christian prayer is permeated with raw sincerity. You can tell God anything, and yet it's not just raw sincerity, but it's punctuated with righteous submission. Not my will, but your will be done. There are far too many people who pray only with raw sincerity. And can I tell you this morning, even pagans pray with raw sincerity. They just plead, beg of the Lord. This is what I want. This is what you need to do. And if God doesn't do it, the result is frustration and bitterness and anger. There are a lot of people even inside the church who only pray with raw sincerity. God, this is what I want you to do. God, this is what I'm begging you to do. God, I'm pleading with you to do this. And if God does it, woohoo, great. But if he doesn't, then the result is anger, frustration, and bitterness. Oh, my friends, if your prayers are only raw sincerity, you pray just like the pagans. This morning, I'm talking about Christian prayer. Prayer that not only is permeated with raw sincerity, but punctuated with righteous submission. Not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. Once again, it's uh, Matthew who tells us that after Jesus prayed for an hour, he went back and found the disciples asleep. Could you not keep watch with me for just an hour? Now, before we indict those disciples, maybe we need to identify with those disciples. After all, it is late at night. And those disciples had just had a big meal called the Passover. And when most guys have a full stomach and it's late at night, what do they do? They fall asleep. All the ladies are smiling. You're exactly right. So maybe we need to cut these guys a little bit of slack. They are exhausted. Now Luke does say that they are overwhelmed with sorrow. But he's the only one who says that. They're asleep. Let's just be honest that if Jesus were to show up on a random Thursday night in your life, what would he find you doing? It's not so much that these disciples were sinning. They were just sleeping. He told them to pray, but they had a full stomach. It's late at night. They were fast asleep. According to Matthew's version, he wakes them up, tells them to pray. He says, the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Pray so you do not fall into temptation. And then he goes back and he prays the same prayer a second time. Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but your will be done. He goes back and finds the disciples and what are they doing? Are they having a prayer meeting? No. They're sawing logs. They're fast asleep again. He doesn't even wake them up this time. And then Matthew says he goes back a third time and he prays saying the very same thing. Luke says he prays with more earnest. Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but your will be done. Why in the world, church, does Jesus have to pray the same thing three times in a row? Why does he pray it over and over? I've I've met individuals before and, and they'll tell me that, that I've actually heard this. They'll say, Pastor, I don't pray for anything more than once. And I'll say, Really, why? I'll say, well, the Lord heard me the first time. He's in charge. His will is going to be done. So there's really no reason for me to pray over and over the very same thing. And my best comeback is, yeah, but Jesus did. Jesus prayed the very same thing over and over and over. Not once or twice, but three times on this night. Now, why does Jesus have to do this? Sometimes we pray not to inform God, but to inform ourselves. Sometimes we pray not because God needs it, but because we need to hear it. Sometimes when we pray, we are furrowing faithfulness inside our spirit. I think that's exactly what Jesus is doing. In this moment, he goes into the garden and he is devastated. He leaves the garden and he is dedicated and devoted under the will of God. What's the difference? He furrowed faithfulness inside of his spirit. He kept saying, Father, let me pour out my heart to you. Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. Yet, not my will, but your will be done. And by the time he got his answer, he rose up in obedience and he went out determined to do the will of God. That's how Jesus prayed. And sometimes, We've got to furrow faithfulness into our spirit. Because let me just be honest. Because we're human, we struggle with selfishness. And because we are called by Christ, we are to surrender sacrificially unto the Lord. There is always a wrestling match for the honest believer. The wrestling match between my selfishness and my sacrifice. There's always that wrestling match and only the honest believer will agree with me and if you don't agree with me today, then you're not being an honest believer before the Lord because as you walk with Christ, there is that struggle, that wrestling match between your selfishness and your sacrifice. And Jesus entered the garden that day and he he was devastated. Yet he rose up Devoted, dedicated under the will and plan of God. He got his answer. The Father said, no, there's no other way. You must go to it. You must go through it. This is the only way that we can redeem lost humanity. Christian prayer is permeated with raw sincerity. It's punctuated. By righteous submission. I heard a pastor say one time um, that we treat God like a pinata, and prayer is the stick. And we think that if we can beat God enough with the <laughs> stick called prayer, then he'll be obligated to shower goodies from heaven. And isn't that how many of us pray? We're going to wail on God. We're going to wail on God. We're going to wail on God until he submits and showers down the goodies from heaven. That's not how Jesus prayed. That's not how Jesus' people pray. We do pray with raw sincerity, but we also pray with righteous submission. So what does that look like in a tangible way? It, it's the prayer of the single person who says, God, I really want to find Mr. Right or Mrs. Wonderful. And he or she's nowhere to be found. Nobody's given me the time of day. Lord, you know I want to desperately fall in love. I want to find the right person. I want to get married. I want to have a family. I want to grow old together with my spouse. Lord, this is my heart desire. You know that I want this yet. Not my will, but your will be done. If you designed me to be single because you have something for me to do that I can do more effectively as a single person than as a married couple, your will be done. Lord, I lay it out there. This is what I want. I want to fall madly in love with the person, but Lord, your will be done. Do you hear the Christian prayer, the raw sincerity, the righteous submission? It's the prayer of the young married couple. They come together, they say, God, you know we want to have a child. Oh, Lord, we want to have a child. You've given us each other. We love you. We serve you. And we desperately want to have a child. We've been trying for three years and every month is a monumental disappointment. And Lord we've been trying and trying and trying. All of our friends are married and they're getting pregnant but we're not getting pregnant. Promiscuous teenagers are getting pregnant at an alarming rate. They're not ready to be parents but we think we're ready to be parents. So Lord please we know you open the womb of the woman. So please open the womb of my spouse so that we can't bear a child. Oh God, we want to show that child the love of the Lord. Please help us to have a child. Yet your will be done. Lord, we can't fathom this, but if you have designed us not to have any biological children, your will be done. We don't understand it. We believe that your way is higher than our way We believe your way is better than our way. But, Lord, we don't get it. We don't understand it. We desperately want a child. But, Lord, if you have created us not to have any biological children, then please, Lord, please, please help us to be able to invest in the next generation somehow, some way. We don't know what that looks like. Maybe it's adoption. Maybe it's involvement in other areas or ministries. But, Lord, we don't know. But, Lord, please, please answer the desires of our heart. Yet your will be done. Do you hear the Christian prayer? It's permeated with raw sincerity. It's punctuated with righteous submission. It's the prayer of the cancer patient. Lord, I don't understand why I have leukemia. I didn't ask for it. I don't, I don't really think I deserve it. I know that you are the healer. You can heal what is broken. You've created me. You are the great physician. You can heal my body of this cancer. You can rid me of all this. I have much more that I need to do for you, that I want to do for you. Lord, please heal my body of this leukemia. But Lord, your will be done. If you choose to heal me by taking me home to heaven, your will be done. But Lord, you know, I've got a family. I've got children. And God, you've always provided for them. But if you choose to take me home, will you please, please take care of my children? And take care of my wife. Lord, please heal my body. Yet your will be done. Do you hear the Christian prayer? It's permeated with raw sincerity. It's punctuated with righteous submission. It's the prayer of the wife who just discovered after 18 years of marriage Her husband's been cheating on her for the last 10 months. And she goes to God in prayer. Lord, I don't know what to say. I don't know if I want him back or if I want him dead. I don't know if I can live with him and I'm not real sure I can live without him. I don't know if I can forgive him. Why did he do that? Lord, why did you permit him to do that? You could have stopped it. Why? Why was he thinking about himself and not me or not our children? Why, Lord? You could have stopped it, but you did. Why did you allow this to happen? Lord, what do you want me to do? I'm a wreck. I'm a mess. All I know is your will be done. You know I love you, Lord. You know I want to serve you. You know I want to make decisions that heap glory and honor upon you. So Lord, help me to make decisions that will bring glory to you. I don't even know what to pray, Lord. But I know I don't want to have to go through this. I don't want the pain. Lord, your will be done. Do you hear the Christian prayer? It's permeated with raw sincerity. It's punctuated with righteous submission. It's the prayer of the man who's up for a promotion. Lord, you know I want this promotion. You know my family needs this money. And Lord, you and I both know everybody else who's up for this promotion. And let's just be honest, I'm more qualified than any of them. And you know, Lord, I'll make good on my promises. You know that our children are about to go to college, and Lord, you know we need help with with those finances. So, Lord, please, please open the door of this promotion. Yet, Lord, your will be done. If for some reason you see something I don't see, that if I get that promotion, it'll take me and drift me away from you or from my spouse or from my children or time at church. If you see something that I don't see, Lord, I surrender unto you. But, Lord, from my vantage point, I really would like that promotion at work. Lord, if for some reason you don't want me to work here, then you've got to close the door and you've got to open another one. But God, the way I see it, this would be great. I think I've been made for this. Yet your will be done. It's not a tagline, it's a lifeline. Your will be done. Do you hear the Christian prayer? It's permeated with raw sincerity, punctuated with righteous submission. And oh, by the way, over the last 16 years of ministry, I have names to go with all those scenarios that I just told you. And the only reason I know them is because of their raw honesty as they would come and talk to me and share how they were coping and dealing with life as it was being flung at them. And Those are the types of prayers that I heard in their life. Total surrender unto the Lord my friend I want you to know that the gospel never promises that your life will always be happy but it does promise that your life will be holy the gospel does not promise that your life will be carefree but it does promise your life will be Christ-like it does not guarantee the absence of suffering but it does guarantee the accompaniment of the Savior God may not keep you from it, but he will keep you through it. He may not keep you from the agony but he'll keep you through the agony. He may not keep you from the cancer but he'll keep you through the cancer. He may not keep you from the death of a child but he'll keep you through the death of a child. He may not keep you from the heart disease but he'll keep you through the heart disease. He may not keep you from unemployment but he'll keep you through unemployment. He may not keep you from betrayal but he'll keep you through betrayal. He may not keep you from it but I promise you, he will keep you through it. The writer of the Hebrew letter says in Hebrew chapter 5 verse 7 that Jesus while on earth prayed prayers with a lot of tears and he prayed to the one who could save him and he heard his prayers because of his reverent submission God the Father did not keep Jesus from the cross but he kept him through the cross He did not keep him from death, but he kept him through death. He did not keep him from the tomb, but he kept him through the tomb. He did not keep him from the separation. He kept him through the separation. And this morning I came for one reason and one reason only. To urge you to pray like Jesus. I came today to urge you to pray with raw sincerity. Lay it out before the Lord. Be honest before him in all of your prayers. Just be raw before him. He can handle it. He's got big shoulders. If you're going through some junk, if you're going through some things, and you say, Lord, please lighten my load. Take this away. I don't want to experience it. That's okay. You pray with raw sincerity, but don't leave it there. You also pray with righteous submission. Not my will, but your will be done. E. Stanley Jones is exactly right. Prayer demands total surrender to the will of God. So I need thee every hour. I need thee every hour. Bless me now, my Savior, because I come to thee This morning, I urge you to pray unto God. Right now, in this moment, in this moment of invitation, whatever the something is that you're going through, pray that something unto the Lord and pray it with raw sincerity. Jesus did. But don't leave it there. You also pray with righteous submission because Jesus did. Because Christian prayer, if it's anything, Christian prayer is permeated with raw sincerity. Punctuated with righteous submission unto the Lord. May God send a prayer revolution to the church. When the church begins to pray like Jesus, watch out. This is the toughest prayer in the world to pray. But can I also add, this is the most liberating prayer to pray. Because you know that God is in control. So you pray with raw sincerity right now. You pray with righteous submission. Maybe you need to come and accept Jesus as Lord. Maybe you need to come and fill this altar. May it need to maybe it needs to be tear stained as we just pour ourselves out before Christ. And when you rise up, like Jesus, you may come in devastated. You rise up devoted to the will of God. Heavenly Father, we bow before you. We give this invitation. Hear the prayers of your children. Lord, if there's somebody here who doesn't know you as Savior, Lord, I pray that today they will run down this aisle. Lord, I pray that those of us who've just been playing with prayer, I pray that today there'll be a revolution in our heart, in our soul, in our mind. That we can go before you with all things and anything and we bear it before you. And Lord, we know that you are in charge of all things. So not our will, but your will be done. In Jesus' name. Amen.